How many heard that song before? Well, Ken, thank you. First, all the way around, thank you. Brother Joe, hiding behind me here, thank you for leading this music this morning. Uh, if you're turning your Bibles to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. Last week I had the privilege of finishing up the book of Joshua, and now we're going to be in the book of Galatians, and basically close to the end of the year. It's a wonderful book, one of my favorite books. Paul wrote this book because the churches in the province of Galatia had some problems that were coming into the church. And Paul wrote to defend the truth of the gospel. And so we're going to start chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and follow along as I read, please. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Isn't it interesting if you were to look at the religions of the world, every religion is based upon works. If you were to look at the Hindu religion, they say renounce the world, relate to the spirit of the universe, and you will find your way to peace. Hinduism says there are eight principles by which people are to walk by, and if you do that, you will find your way to nirvana. Judaism says keep the law perfectly, and you will find favor with God. Islam, pray five times a day, give alms, fast during Ramadan, obey Allah, and paradise will be yours. Universalism says to be saved is having a good character. Humanism, which is very prevalent in our world today, says salvation is achieved through one serving their fellow man. And if you notice, all of these that I gave as illustration, we could go on to others, but all of them have their works-based, performance-based, religion. 
Salvation, if you want to use that term, because some religions don't talk about salvation, but finding favor with God or being in right relationship with God is always obtained on what you do or don't do. But the gospel, the gospel is good news. The gospel is what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus Christ has done what no one can do. No one can set us free from sin. No one can set us free from the condemnation that every individual has upon their life. The reason I don't call Christianity a religion is because religion is how can I get to God or find favor with God or get to heaven? Christianity is what God has done for me through Jesus Christ. The book of Galatians was written by Paul. If I read the book clearly and sense what Paul is saying, Paul has a broken heart as he writes this book. Paul is grieving. And at times he, he just gets angry. We'll see that in verses 8 and 9 as we go through these verses this morning. You see, there was a problem in the churches in the province of Galatia. And it wasn't a sin problem. It wasn't that uh, some people were living immorally or being involved in, in a, a, an occult uh, or worshiping pagan gods. That was not, not at all. It, the problem was there was an attack at the very heart of the gospel message and in doing so, the gospel was being undermined in the churches there. There were a group of individuals which were known as Judaizers. They were false teachers. And they were trying to undo everything that Paul had accomplished by preaching the gospel of grace. And Paul knew that if he were to interject any kind of legalism, any kind of works into Christianity and God's grace, you would kill the gospel and that message. And the people would be led back into bondage that they were saved out of. Paul understood legalism. Paul understood Judaism. Paul was saved out of that. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. The gospel is good news to us. Paul wrote what the gospel is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The good news is that sinners, and by the way, that includes all of us, every individual you know, all of us are sinners, the good news is that we can find forgiveness, we can have a relationship with God, we can know for sure that when we die we will go to heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. The good news of salvation by grace through faith is that Jesus becomes the most important person in our life and the message that he proclaimed and that Paul preached, the gospel message, is the most important message that can be given in our world. 
But here the churches of Galatia were being attacked and that message was being attacked. And Paul was deeply disturbed because of this. And he's out to defend the truth. There's a great passion in Paul's life here. You can hear it in his voice as you read it. He is passionate about proclaiming the truth and defending the truth. And I want to say that we need that same kind of passion in our life of proclaiming the gospel message, defending the gospel message, and the truth of which it teaches. Paul understood he was in a battle. He was in a battle for the truth. He was in a battle for the souls of mankind. He was in a battle for the liberty that the church was to have. And he was in a battle, literally, for the future of the church. Because Paul understood if you change the gospel, you end up with no gospel at all, as he says in verse 7. I picture in my mind that these teachers that came to the churches in Galatia, these false teachers, they, they said to the folks there, we, we believe in Jesus, but Paul just didn't give you all of the information you need. Here's what Paul left out in what he was teaching. And therefore, the false teachers were spreading a false gospel. They were mixing law and legalism in with grace. But the Bible teaches us that we have freedom in Christ. That Christianity, true Christianity, is just the opposite of legalism. It is the opposite of religion. It's the opposite of what the Judaizers were teaching. The Judaizers were teaching that you had to have rituals and laws to go with the gospel. Paul, as he starts this letter, talks about his authority, if you notice there in the first couple of verses. He clearly states that the gospel message... And that his authority to preach the message were not given to him by any man. They were not given to him by a group of men, nor a single person. That his call to preach and his call to take the gospel message came from the Lord himself. It was a divine calling that God had put upon him. Paul, defending his position over in 1 Corinthians 9, chapter 1, says, Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? And are you not a result of my work in the Lord? There's the church at Corinth. Paul was defending himself and how he came and preached the message and saying, here's my proof of who I am and my authority. Over in Acts chapter 9 verse 15, the Lord told Ananias as he was to go to Paul and put his hands on him, and here's what the Lord said to Ananias. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. God's hand was upon Paul's life and upon his ministry. Paul didn't decide to do this. It was a calling from the Lord. Yes, Paul wasn't one of the original 12, but he saw the Lord and was anointed and appointed an apostle by the Jesus Christ himself. The churches there in Galatia, Paul was not a stranger to them. Paul, Paul was the one who took the good news to them so that they could hear the, the good news. Uh, they were friends of his. They were, in a sense, his children. 
And he was the one that brought them the gospel message. And so here Paul has this concern for them because there's someone who is disturbing them and trying to change their lives, not for the better, but for the worse. And he wanted the believers there in the church of Galatia to be mature Christians and that their lives would glorify the Lord. One of the greatest things that we can do as Christians is teach the message of Jesus Christ. To, to teach his righteousness. To teach the fact that we are to live a holy life. That we are to reproduce ourselves. Because part of the Great Commission was that we were to go and make disciples. We were to take the gospel into all the world. But we were to go and make disciples. We were to reproduce ourselves as Christians. Paul also says here that the message that the Lord gave him was to rescue them. The gospel message rescues people. That means to be delivered from danger. Because they lived in a world that was full of evil. And they needed to be rescued from that. They needed to be rescued from a corrupt world. They needed to be rescued from a pagan world. They needed to be rescued from an immoral world. And a world in which this atmosphere was really a godless atmosphere. He wanted to rescue them from the evil that was passed on and on and on to one individual after another that wants to take as many people to hell with it as possible. Is that any different than today? Is what Paul experienced and what was happening there at the church at Galatia any different than what's happening in our world? Do you not see our own world progressively going downward in a spiral? The moral standards that I grew up with as a child and as a young individual are challenged everywhere. The ethics that we knew are being cast aside. The habits that people are, are grabbing around and holding on to, the fashions and the philosophies and the music of our world are influencing people all the way around. Anything to pollute the mind of an individual, anything to, to have a person become bound to sin, that's the culture in which we live, and that was much, not much different than the culture that Paul lived in. Paul understood if they gave up the grace of God and went back to what the legalistic teachers were teaching, this Judaizers, that it would put them back into bondage. That's what they wanted, though. They wanted them to go back to Judaism. They wanted them to go back to legalism, to religion and rituals. And they came posing as Christians. False teachers are, are still a problem in our world. Do, do, they, not, do they not look good? Do, do, do they not sound good when you listen to them? Do not... They have a great personality... That's attractive. You turn on religious TV, and I call it religious TV. I would venture to say, and it's my personal guess, that 50% of those who are on religious TV are false teachers. You listen to them for a while. You, you, 10 or 15 minutes into a 30-minute program from some preacher or preacherette, you listen to them, and they sound good, and then all of a sudden they say something, and you stop in your, your tracks and say, Huh? What did they say? False teachers usually target the message of salvation one way or another. Uh, they, they 
add to it or take away from it. They, they distort the nature of Jesus Christ. They deny His deity or, or the resurrection. Christianity, Paul is saying, is a, a person in Jesus Christ. It's not a religious system. Paul says Christ is the one who paid the price for your sins. He is the one that is setting you free. He's telling that to the people at Galatia there. He is telling that to people in, in Aiken, South Carolina today. J Jesus Christ is the one who will deliver you from bondage. Why go back to that? The Bible tells us the truth will set us free. Paul said in Romans 6, 18, you have been set free from sin. That's what grace does. That's what the gospel does. But the legalist wants to take an individual back into bondage. And they're influencing immature Christians to follow a gospel that is not a gospel at all. They put a false message in front of them that sounds good. With their goal is to steal their freedom and their hope and their joy and their peace. Paul, as he addresses these folks, says he's astonished. That means dumbfounded, flabbergasted. He says, for you're, you're deserting the truth. I picture him saying, I'm amazed that you're even giving these people the time of day. Because the Lord who called you saved you by grace and has set you free. And now you're moving from grace back to where you were, back to legalism and bondage and religion. To slavery. You're so quickly deserting the truth. He's, he's just astonished that that is happening. It, it seems that they really offered little opposition to the Judaizers that came in and were perverting the gospel. It's almost as if Paul is saying, it's, it's beyond my understanding that you would do this so soon and so quickly. To just want to go right back to where you came from, into bondage, into slavery, into sin, and after you had received the truth. But Paul hits the nail on the head in verse 7. I made reference to it a moment ago. He says, because what they're preaching, what they're teaching to you, is no gospel at all. He says, what they're teaching you is perverting the truth. Now, time out. Do we not live in an age where the truth is being perverted? Do we not live in an age where legalism is, is creeping into the church? It, it is found so often in churches today. Have you never heard, this is how you need to be saved, this is what you need to do? You need to join our church, we're the only church that has the proper truth. Here's the rules that you need to obey and you'll be saved. Now, even the beautiful thing of baptism, there are some people who say, well, you just get, need to get baptized and everything is okay. Now, baptism is a wonderful thing and we are encouraged as believers to do that, to, to be baptized because it is a testimony of what has happened. But baptism does not save any individual. Amen. Some people say you just need to practice this particular liturgy that we have had. Or to worship in a certain fashion. Or you, you work hard so you can earn God's love. It's all over the place. And in fact, there's two particular issues out now. Uh, theologies or whatever you call them. It's liberation theology and progressive Christianity. 
liberation theology came in a few years back, about 10 years ago, where it just perverts the gospel. And it's a social gospel. And all you have to do is be good to people. There's no idea of salvation and faith in Jesus Christ, that he was just a good example for us. And you have this progressive Christianity today that is being promoted in the homosexual community. That you can be a Christian uh, and the gospel is progressive and, and the, the words that talk about particular types of sin are no longer sin and we've progressed past that point. You see, we must never ever forget that the truth of the gospel is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ through God the Father. We don't become Christians because we agree with a certain doctrinal statement. Although doctrine is very important, do not misunderstand me. We need to understand the truth of the gospel. But I'll tell you something. I was saved at 10 years of age, and I didn't know much of the gospel other than that if I didn't have Jesus Christ in my life as my Lord and Savior, I wouldn't go to heaven. And I wanted to go to heaven. That's basically all I understood. We don't have to understand all that goes on in theology. In fact, if I were to ask you questions today about what you understand about some doctrinal truths, uh, we would have uh, stumped the congregation day because we don't dig deep enough at times into the Word of God. But what we need to know is that we are aware that I need Jesus Christ in my life and that I am a sinner and I cannot save myself. I'm unable to do anything about my spiritual condition. And that I need salvation. I need a new birth and to be born again. And therefore, I need to repent of my sin and trust Jesus and Jesus alone. That's what we have to understand about the gospel message. And that only is impressed upon us by the Holy Spirit, God working in our lives. And so we become a Christian when we understand that and we understand that it's what Jesus did on the cross that saves us, nothing that we do. We just accept what he did. Paul is saying you can't mix grace and works. They contradict each other. They're exclusive to each other. He said they're actually, you're perverting the gospel. He's saying there are not two different gospels. It's a different message. Yes, it might sound good. And quite honestly, again, going back to the TV preachers I mentioned a, a bit ago, you can listen to them and for 10 minutes, 15 minutes, that sounds good. The truth that, that you hear the truth of the message of the Word of God and then all of a sudden they say something. But you know it's not the truth. It appeals to the flesh, doesn't it? Are, are you prideful like me? Some of you I know are. But one of my biggest sins is I've, I've got a pride as big as this building. And those of us who are prideful love to say, look what I did. And the same thing happens within salvation. If there's something that I can do, like the false teachers say, to earn salvation, I can pat myself on the back and say, look at what I did. That's a false gospel. The cults of our day, some of them are called Christian they all have something wonderful to say, but they have something that they always add to grace. Can I say it this way? They have the new and improved version. John MacArthur makes this statement, and I, I like it, so let me read it. He says, the Judaizers who plagued the early church claimed to be Christians, and much of their doctrine was orthodox. 
They must have recognized Jesus as the promised Messiah and acknowledged the value of his sacrificial death on the cross. Otherwise, they would have never given a hearing in the church. They came to believe all the truths that the Christians believe. They did not purposely, overtly deny the gospel, but they claimed to improve it, adding some requirements and ceremonies and standards of the old covenant to the new. But again, adding anything to the gospel of grace destroys it. A single false teaching in a church can destroy the church because the gospel is hidden that. Just like a drop of poison in a glass of water pollutes the whole thing and destroys it. It's not good for anything. And you and I as Christians need to understand we need to fight for the inerrancy of Scripture. We need to fight for the fact that the Lord God created this world and universe. We need to stand up and speak out about sin. We need to define and defend this virgin birth and the resurrection and continually defend the fact that salvation is by grace and grace alone. To pervert, as Paul uses the word here, means to twist from its original meaning. It means to distort or to alter. And it also means to reverse. So what the Judaizers were actually doing was reversing the gospel and turning it around by going back to the law. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Most of us in this room know that. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. And we were created to do what? Good works. We're saved by grace. We put our faith in what Jesus Christ did. And then we do works as proof that we're saved. But the legalists, the Judaizers, got that all reversed. They were saying, your works will earn you favor with God, and then you're saved. That's not true. That's not the way it is. That's the false teaching of the legalist. Works first. And they were confusing the church. They were putting the church at unrest. And Paul is fighting, again, for the truth of the gospel here, the gospel that set them free and brought them peace in their hearts. You see, turning from grace takes a person back to religion, ceremonies, and ultimately heartache, failure, and disappointment. And the last thing I want us to look at here is that Paul condemns these individuals. He uses the strongest possible words that he can. I know he does this because he loves those people. He, he preached the gospel to them. He saw them get saved. He saw their lives radically changed. And he loves them. And he hates the fact that somebody was coming in to distort the truth and to get them all confused. The church that fails in preaching the gospel and teaching it clearly fails in the goal of why it's a church. Because that church, people will not find Jesus as Savior. A false gospel does not lead in faith in Christ that comes by grace. You see, that's why liberation theology is so bad. Because it's works. That's why progressive theology is so damnable because it teaches you can live in sin and be right with God. The test of, of, of any true teaching is what it says. 
John in 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Paul in his writing to Timothy says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. He, he wrote that in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And what he's saying to Timothy is, Timothy, don't get sidetracked to the left or the right. Don't get sidetracked with anything else. Teach and preach the pure gospel message because then you will be saved. And, and those who will hear your message will be saved. And, and you, you will not get them confused. Well, how do you test someone? And what they're teaching. Well look at their life. Are they the same person on Monday as they are at Sunday at church? Look at their life. Are they witness for Christ throughout the week? Does, it, does their life show that they know Christ as Savior? I was reading something this week that blew my mind. That this guy who claimed to be a preacher says he has some wash himself that a cuss word doesn't come out when he's preaching. And I'm saying, why would a cuss word even be in your mind, let alone come out while you're preaching? Something was wrong with that picture to me it was as I read it. How about their doctrine? Are they teaching the fundamental truths of the Word of God? To live holy, to turn your back on sin, to repent that God is the creator of this universe, that He is greater than anything we can understand, that heaven will be our home. Word of God is trustworthy. You see, when we get into the Word of God, any false teaching, any heresy that comes along will be exposed because this is our authority. This is what we go to. Not my opinion, not your opinion, not the opinion of any great Christian leader in the world. The test of the gospel is grace, never mixing it with any other teaching. Grace and grace alone, because there's no other gospel. Legalism trades the truth of the gospel for bondage to law or religion of some sort. And Paul declared that anyone who preaches a mixture of grace and law is worthy of eternal condemnation. If you have the King James or New American Standard in front of you, it says accursed. Now let me tell you what a literal translation from the Greek reads. Let him be cast into hell. The New International cleaned it up a little bit and just said eternally condemned. And did you notice something here? Paul put himself in that category. He says, even if we Referring to himself. What Paul is saying to this group of believers. That if somewhere down the line. I come back to you. And tell you I've changed my mind what the gospel is. Don't listen to me. Because what Jesus Christ gave me. To preach. That he gave the apostles to preach. Is that salvation is by grace through faith alone. Nothing else. The teacher that's out there that requires people to obey the law. Or requires them to do something for salvation. Is leading them to hell according to Paul. And Paul says in the strongest words possible. 
let them be cast into hell. Anyone who takes anything to add to the gospel, anyone who diminishes the grace of God, deserves to suffer all eternity in hell. That's strong language, is it not? But why would Paul say that? Because by doing so, they are literally leading people to hell with a false sense of security. The gospel is God's grace given to us, undeserved. And anyone who turns in faith to Jesus Christ will be saved. Paul's heart is coming through in these, letters, these words and in this whole book. We'll see it over and over again. Paul loves these people. He wants them to understand the truth of the gospel. He wants them to live in freedom. He, he wants them to understand they are no longer condemned. And, and those who were there perverting the gospel were there to destroy them. And the mission of the church today is to preach the gospel message. That any individual, man, woman, or child, no matter what their background is, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter their native tongue, it doesn't matter. The truth of the gospel is that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, paid the price for your sins, and if you will turn to him in faith, you will be saved. What Paul is saying to us, and let me conclude with this, I don't know what your background is. I don't know what you've heard people say to you. But anybody that has told you anything other than the fact that you can be saved by God's, you are saved by God's grace through faith is misleading you. The word of God says, Jesus is the only way. There's no other method of salvation. No other one, no other name under heaven given us among men where we must be saved. If you've been leaning on a denomination that you were raised in or teaching from some well-known teacher or preacher or preacherette, it doesn't matter. Listen to what the Word of God says because the only way to be saved is by God's grace that He loved us in spite of who we are. He loved us while we were still sinners. Christ died on that cross, paid the price for our sin, something we cannot pay. So that all who come to him will have eternal life. Not because you do good works, but only by grace are we saved. If you're here today and you don't know that you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, Today's the day you need to make sure that you know him. Because God's grace is reaching out to you. Our God loves you more than you'll ever know. And by turning to him in faith, you can experience what we call the new birth, salvation, becoming a new creation. Many words in the Bible that talk about it. Not because you did certain things, not because you're a member of a particular church, but because you've trusted what Jesus Christ did in him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just ask you to do your, your work amongst us through your Holy Spirit. And, uh, Lord, I trust you're speaking to hearts today about taking a step to trust you and you alone for salvation. Thank you again for your grace for the gospel message.
the truth that we only can accept what you've done for us for salvation. Again, we say thank you for it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen.